few weeks ago, we started a series of messages that we're calling Stories, and we've been primarily in Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, if you remember, Ephesians is a letter that Paul wrote to the church that was in the city of Ephesus. Paul spent more time in Ephesus than he did any other church. He was there over two years with them. He taught them. He started the church. He knew these people. So when he wrote to them, he wasn't just, um, he wasn't just trying to give them good ideas because he knew their stories. He was trying to speak to their heart. He was trying to help them. And he was saying, look, I am giving you truth that's going to make a difference in your life. And so that's why this has been so powerful. And last week, we started looking at a prayer that Paul prayed for this church that he loved. It was Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 18. Let's take a look at what he says. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Now, if you look at that prayer, you, you see something real strategic at the beginning. Paul says, and don't miss this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. He wanted them to be able to spiritually see this. He says, so that, in order that you may, and then he prays three things, that you may know the hope to which he has called you, and we talked about that last week, that you may know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, which we looked at the, the two weeks prior to that when we talked about the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ, and Paul prays that they would know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That's where we're going to land today. We're going to talk about God's power today. We're going to see how it plays out, the work that it does in our lives. And power was a big deal to the people in Ephesus. Because if you remember, the city of Ephesus was a center of, um, really, people thought, spiritual power. There was a well-known temple there, the temple to Artemis, the goddess of Ephesus, the queen of heaven, they called her. And this idol, this, this kind of false god that they worshipped there, kind of controlled and ruled everything in that area. They, they thought about her. They put her in the center of everything. And there, were much, uh, there, there was much magic. There was a focus on spiritual power there. So power was a big deal to the people in Ephesus. So when Paul wrote about it, he needed to tell them what kind of power this was. Here's how he describes it. Let's go back. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. Here's Paul's prayer. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and, and this is what we're looking at today, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. What kind of power is it? That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. So here's what I want to do for, for the next few moments. In fact, we're going, to do, we're going to do three things today. First, I want to talk to you about this power. And I want to tell you what kind of power it is. Then I want to talk about why that even matters and what difference that power can do in your life. And then I want to share with you a story so that you can see just what a difference that power does make in the life of an individual. So first, let's talk about this today. Paul gives to us in this passage four things that we should see. So here's four things Paul says about God's power. Now this isn't everything the Bible says about God's power, but in these verses... Here's four things that Paul says about God's power. He describes it for us. And the first thing he says is this, is that it is incomparable power. 
Number one, it is incomparable power. He says that this power is incomparably great. So there's this incomparable power. Now, if you're, if you're familiar with the history of the Bible, you know that the New Testament was originally written in the Greek language. So, so when you and I read the New Testament, we're reading something that's been translated from Greek into English. So what that means is, and there's different Bible translations, that even though people try to keep it real accurate, what, what they often do is, is it has a little bit of a different spin. And some different translations will help you to understand different passages a little bit uh, differently, actually. I'm, I'm not a big fan of how the, the, the NIV, the translation we just read, translates verse 19. I think it misses some of the real power that's here. So let me read it to you from two other Bible versions, Bible translations. And this is kind of a good tool for you when you're studying Scripture for yourself to sometimes use different translations to help to understand things. Let me read it to you. Ephesians 1.19 from what's called NIV 84. It says this. It describes it as his incomparably great power for us who believe that power is like the working of his mighty strength. So it kind of adds this idea here that the power is like the working of his mighty strength. That's a, that's a key word there. In fact, the English Standard Version, the ESV, actually describes it, I think, even a little bit better. Look at this in the ESV. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? Now, what you see there more clearly in the ESV than you do in the NIV is that Paul piles up the words he keeps dealing out the synonyms here because he wants you to understand this power is awesome. We used to read this, this little kid's book at our house called Alexander and the Horrible, Terrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Have you ever heard of that? Alexander did not just say, I had a lousy day. He wanted you to know just how bad it was. It wasn't a bad day. It was a horrible, terrible, no good, very bad day. Why? Because it gives it emphasis. Paul doesn't say it's just God's power. He says, let me start loading you up with some synonyms. He says his power is, um, it's working. And that word working in the Greek is the same root word that we have for the word energy. It's saying, look, that, that power is on the move. It's doing something, and it's great, and it's mighty, and it's strong. So he starts piling up these words so that you won't miss what he's trying to say here. What he's trying to say here is that there's no other power like it. It's incomparable. And so whatever you're facing, whatever the limits are in your life, this power is greater than that. If you are up against weakness, if you are up against stress, if you're up against temptation, if this season in your life or in your work or in your family seems to be overwhelming, what it often does is it limits you and it keeps you from seeing God's power. And what Paul's saying here is that no matter where else you're looking for power, you won't find anything more powerful than God's because it's incomparable to anything else. There is no other power that we could find that compares to the power of God. And if you'll look to that, if you'll see that, you know it's true. But we search for power in all kinds of places. We try to find strength in what we have and who we are and what other people think of us. We let little things and big things limit how we view God's power. But there is no other power that we could find that compares to the power of God. Paul says, first of all, that this is incomparable power. Here's the second thing he says. Number two, he says that it is resurrection power. That it is resurrection power. Because he says that it's the same power that God used, that God exerted when he raised Christ Jesus from the dead. And if you think about it, 
I don't know that there's any other gauge more clear than resurrection power. See, oftentimes we, we, we think about power in, in different senses, and it's important that we recognize and realize that there is power available to us. You know, if you're buying a new vehicle so many times, and, and I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but so many times when you go to buy a new car, you think about some of the things that really don't matter. You know, you go to the dealership, or you, you check on Craigslist, or you look somewhere, and you're looking for a car, and you want to know what's it look like, what kind of amenities does it have, what's, what's the features inside of it, how cool am I going to look when I sit in this thing? But if you get a super good-looking, decked-out car, but it has a lousy motor, if it has no power under the hood, it's not a whole lot of good to you, is it? You're going to look great, but you're going nowhere. At some point, you need to know what kind of power is this. Paul says, look, this power I'm talking about is resurrection power. And there's no power more powerful than that. When we, when we talk about our military strength, we usually talk about firepower. We talk about how much destruction can be brought. But isn't it awesome that this ultimate sense of power doesn't bring destruction, but takes what's destroyed and brings life and makes it new again? Isn't that ultimate power? See, resurrection from the dead is the ultimate display of power. And that's what he says God has under his hood. That power is available to us. And so this causes us to recognize something. That death has been conquered. That the ultimate fear that we have. Because if you dig right down to it, what's, what's the thing that we are ultimately all afraid of? It's death. And it's a reminder that that ultimate fear that we have has already been dealt with. Because if Jesus rose from the dead, that means that resurrection is available to us all. If Jesus rose from the dead, then that means what he can give to us is resurrection. It's available to us all. So whatever it is that we fear, that ultimate fear has already been dealt with and destroyed because of his resurrection power. Number three, the third thing that we see Paul says about power here is not just that it's incomparable and that it's resurrection, but it's what I would like to call today, it is above all power, power. Because whatever other power there is, it's better than that. There's all these other powers, but what Jesus brings is above all power, power. You can have power, but above all that power is his power. It's above all power, power. And that's the power that we're talking about here. Because here's what he says, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Now, there's some real key things that I don't want you to miss about this. You know, oftentimes, okay, so our, our Bible's divided into two parts, right? We have the Old Testament, we have the New Testament. And the Old Testament is, is the time before Jesus. And there's a lot of things that that part of the Bible says about when Jesus comes. So in the New Testament, what you see is many times when New Testament writers will quote things from the Old Testament to back up what it is that they're trying to say. The concept, the verse, that is quoted more than any other in the New Testament from the Old Testament is this idea that we see right here. It comes from Psalm 110, verse 1. It's quoted more in the New Testament than any other Old Testament passage. And it's this, Psalm 110, verse 1, where the psalmist says, The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. 
And Paul says that this power we're talking about is the same power that God used when he took Jesus and placed him, it says, at his right hand. Now, oftentimes when we think about this, we think it's like Jesus is sitting in heaven and he's like an an eternal lazy boy and he's just kind of kicking back at God's right hand. That's not what it's talking about. When he talks about this idea of sitting at God's right hand, it had this idea of, um, of like royalty or of like authority and power. Here, let me give you another idea. Psalm 87, or Psalm 80, verse 17, excuse me. Psalm 80, verse 17 says this. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself. So the idea is this, that when someone sat on the right hand, it meant that they were becoming royalty, that they were being made the king, that they had all authority and that they had all power. In fact, there was no other power that was over them. They had above all power power if they were sitting at the right hand. It was the place of honor. It was the place of authority. And that's where God put Jesus with his power, saying there is no power greater than this. It's above all. Well, here's what he said. Look at what he says. In verse 20, he says, It's far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked. He says, whatever other powers there are out there, Jesus is greater than it. He's speaking of powers on earth. He's speaking of angels and demons and powers in heaven. And he says something really cool to the people in Ephesus. See, the people in Ephesus knew about magic. In fact, in that day and time and region, there was something that was called the Ephesian letters. And there were like these six names that people could, um, I I don't know, they, they could say them almost like it was a magic spell. And if they would say these things, they thought that it brought power. They were names that people could invoke so they could have power. And Paul says this, listen, Ephesus, no matter what other names people say, no matter what other words they use, you have the name at your disposal that is above every name. You have the power living in you and for you that is greater than any other power. It is the name that's more powerful than any other name that can be invoked, and it is the name of Jesus, and that's a pretty good name, isn't it? And so this is what Paul wants them to understand, that they have at their disposal this Above all power, power. First John 4, 4 says, You dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one, read this with me, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is. We have that power. There is no power greater or enemy stronger than the power of God. Whatever you're facing, he has above all power, power. And there's no power greater or enemy stronger than the power of God. One last thing he tells us. He tells us it's incomparable power, it's resurrection power, it's above all power power. And the fourth thing he says is that it's forever power. It's not power that just lasts for a little bit of time. It's, 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 well, listen to how he describes it. He says this. He says, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. He, He divides time into two parts here. He says part of it's the day and time that we live in, and part of it is eternity that, that is after this life. And if you read through the scriptures, you see very clearly, the Bible talks about these days that we live in, and it talks about heaven, it talks about eternity, it talks about life after death, and there's these two times. When it talks about the present age that we live in, it often refers to it as it being an evil age. Have you ever heard that? And here's the reason why. Because in this day and time, like, like right now, when, when we live and when we walk and, and, and live our lives on the earth, the earth actually is under the rule of evil. 
It's under the dominion of, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 refers to the devil as the God of this age. And in God's wisdom, for some reason, he's determined to say, look, I'm in control, but I'm letting, I'm letting the world be, be affected by sin right now. And because we live in a fallen place, there's sin and there's, there's bad things that happen and that come our way in this present age when we live. I had a conversation just this week with a friend, and we were asking the question, okay, why do bad things happen? And it caused me to think about this, and part of it is because we live in this present age, a present evil age. The best way that I know maybe to describe it is, is something we've been experiencing over the last few months. It's like road construction. Do you know what that's like? Because you're driving, and you don't like it. And there's detours, and there's potholes, and it's messy, and it's slow, and it comes with pain, and you drive on those fallen roads and our sinful highways. Do you know what I'm talking about? Why? Because at some point on the other side of this, there's something better, and you have to go through this season of construction. Paul says that right now we live in this construction season, in this evil present age, and someday we'll experience the the perfect golden roads of heaven, but until then, We live in a fallen world. But here's the good news. God's power, Paul says, is great to sustain us in the evil age in which we live today. So if you're struggling because of the effects of living in a sinful fallen world, know this, that God's power is is great. It will sustain us in this fallen age. And the other good news is this, that there's coming a day when God's power will make things new forever. And so not only in this construction season in which we live, but there's another day that's coming after this life when God's power will make all things new forever, and that's good news. We have a power, not just that God has or that we just know about. He says it's for us. There's a power for us that is incomparable, that is resurrection power, that is above all power power, and that will last forever, not just for today, but for all of eternity, and that's the kind of power that we're talking about. And you said to yourself, boy, Chad, that's good preaching. Isn't that what you said? Yes. Wake the person up next to you. You said, wow, okay, that's good. I, I like that. That's, that's good. Who's it for? Well, it's for those of us who believe. He makes it very clear. Here's the problem, and here's, here's why Paul prayed the way he did. Do you remember his prayer? He said, look, I, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened to know this because the problem was that even though they would have said it was true, they weren't living in the power that he gave to them. William Randolph Hearst was a, a newspaper publisher. He was incredibly wealthy, eccentric individual, and he valued collecting art. And one day he, he came across some art that he said, I have to have this. He read about it, he, he, he saw pictures of it, and he said, I want to own that in my collection. And so he called one of his employees and he said, I want you to drop everything else you're doing and I want you to find this art for me. I don't care what it takes, I don't care what it costs, I must have it and I want it. And so the employee set out. It took him many months. It cost him a lot of money. But one day he finally walked into Hearst's office and he said, Mr. Hearst, I've found that art you were looking for. He said, oh, that's awesome. Where was it? He says, Mr. Hearst, I traveled the world and I spent a lot of your money and I found out that those pieces of art that you were looking for have been sitting in your warehouse for years. You already owned them. And he spent all kinds of time and all kinds of money, wasted it, 
for something that was already at his disposal. Look, you have this power, but for many of us, we've been blinded and we don't see it. That's why Paul says, I pray. That's why we preach this. I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. Here's what happens. We don't look for God's power. We just live by what we feel. And we sense what we feel with our our lives, with our hands. And we fail to see what a difference God's power could make if if we would let the eyes of our heart be enlightened to see it. Let, let 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 me give you an example. I think Pastor Matt spoke to four of you and asked you to come and help me out this morning. I should have four volunteers. If that's you, would you come and join me on the platform? You have absolutely no idea what you're getting yourself into. Um, Would you give them a big hand as they come? There should be four of them. Um, And there's three of them. Okay, if you were one of them, I don't know that I can do anything with your salvation, but I'll do something. So... uh, do we have number four? I think we got three. Going once, going twice. All right, I need a volunteer. <laughs> the Lord, I'll, I'll say the Lord spoke to me. All right, hey, thanks, brother. I see that hand. Amen. All right. So um, you have no idea what you're getting yourself into. So go ahead and pick, pick a seat. Wherever you want to sit is good. Um, awesome. Okay. We were expecting you. No, you're expecting. That's, yeah, okay, very cool. All right, okay, so as you come, give me your name. Your name, sir, is? Sean. Sean, thanks for helping us out. Steve. Steve? Cassie? Jason. Jason? Yep. All right, cool. Thanks, guys, for helping out. Here's, here's what we're going to do. The first thing that I'm going to ask you to do is uh, I'm going to ask you to put on uh, these blindfolds, if you would, please. Um, but no, it's awesome. You're, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. So uh, Cassie will give you that. And here we go. We've got these blindfolds that are on. I can tell you that everybody who wore them in first service looked reasonably clean. And, uh, um, okay. Can you see what's going on? You see a lot of black. All right, that's great. You should take your glasses off. They're not helping you. So, uh, yeah. That's good. All right, cool. All right, okay, so you've got your blindfolds on. Here's what we're going to do. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put an object in your hands, and I'm going to ask you to kind of try to identify it and so you can see what it is. And in the process of doing this, what I want to point out to you is why so many times we know about God's power, but we don't, we don't see it because we're living by what we feel, and that blinds us to what God wants to do. So in the process of this, I want to answer a question. What blinds us to seeing the power of God in our lives? We're going to ask this question. What blinds us to seeing the power of God in our lives? Sean, I'm going to start with you, and I'm going to put something in your hands here, and then, uh, man, you are ready. That's awesome. And you tell me if you know what that is. Can you tell what that is? Handcuffs. Handcuffs. All right, awesome. Awesome. You're far more excited than the guy in first service. All right. Now, um, this, is, this is the second pair we've had to use because the guy in first, he still got them. We couldn't figure out how to, but it's all, it's all good. That's, I'm just kidding here. So, okay, let's do this. So, Sean, will you put your, put your hands out? Um, and by the way, I'm pretty sure this is the first time this has ever happened to Sean. Just, I, I know Sean. So, this is not, he's not familiar. You see, he's not even familiar with how this works. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to do this here. Um, and uh, okay, so here, all right, are you all right? Yep. How's that feel? 
fine. Why is, why is your thumb turning colors? Okay, so let's do this. Here's, here's what I want to point out to you. What blinds us to God's power? Number one, our limits blind us to God's power. Our limits. And here's the deal. Sean's wearing these handcuffs. They're going to limit what he can do. They're going to limit his capability. They're going to keep him from experiencing life as fully as God would have for him to. He's got these limits that are on him. And you experience the same things in your life. It's failure. It's temptation. It's weakness. It's lack. It's stress. It's chaos. And you very clearly probably know there's things that are coming to your mind that you're saying, look, I wish I had the, but I'm limited by. And here's Here's what happens to us so many times. We get so distracted by our limits that we're blind to God's power because that's all we feel. But here's what the author of Hebrews says. Hebrews chapter 12, verse one says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. He says, look, in the midst of all those things that limit you, those things that hinder you, that sin that comes against you, he says, if you will fix your eyes on Jesus, what it does is it removes, it helps us to overcome our limits. It's because any other power that you look for does not compare to God's power. Do you remember his power is incomparable? So let me show you. That's not just something I want you to have in your head. It's something I want you to know in your heart that you see it, that God's incomparable power in our lives means that the limits can be overcome. God's incomparable power in our lives means that the limits can be overcome. Sean, I have a key. Would you like me to use it? Okay, very cool. Um, I don't know how is the problem, but if I do this the right way, then what should happen is that those limits should be removed from you. And dude, you can take that blindfold off because at some point we have to decide that we don't live by what we feel, but instead we say, God, would you enlighten my eyes so I can see your power? Does that make sense? Okay, so there are limits that blind us to God's power. Let me give you a second thing. Here's number two. Our fears often blind us to God's power. Our fears often blind us to God's power. Steve, are you ready? Okay, let me get something for you. We'll see if you say sure here in a minute. Steve, do you have any fears that you want to share with us? You're, what's that? Not that I can think of. Not that you can think of? Ladies and gentlemen, it's Fearless Steve. Let's give him a big hand. So, okay, so here you go. I'm going to place this kind of right there. Can you tell me what that is? Spider. It is a spider, yeah. Actually, we know it around my house as my wife's favorite thing. <laughs> Rhonda spent, what, two bucks on that? on clearance the first part of November last year and has proceeded for the last 11 months to hide it all over our house where people can find it. <laughs> that thing will help your prayer life in a powerful way because it scares you. And there are fears that come our way. What do we talk about? The ultimate one is death. If you dig deep down inside, every, every other thing that we fear ultimately comes down to the fact that we're afraid that something's gonna, it's gonna stop us. Why do we survive? Why do we fight? Why do we struggle? Because we wanna, we wanna live. We wanna overcome. And there's all these fears that come our way. You know what yours is. You have a fear of the past. What happens gonna catch up to you? 
or you have a fear of the future, that you're not going to be capable to handle what's in the future. You have a fear that you're not going to make it out of, everything all right over there? Okay. Um, you, you have a, you have a fear, you have a fear that you're not going to make it past this thing that you're up against. And this is so critical for you to understand because you don't have to live in the place of your fear. Romans chapter eight, verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, Paul says lives in you. And if that's the case, he's already conquered death, which is the ultimate fear. So he has the power to overcome your fear as well. Does that make sense? So God's resurrection power in our lives empowers us to live beyond our fears. We don't have to live in control of our fear, or in, in, in the control of our fears. We can live beyond them. And so Steve, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that nasty looking thing from you. You can take your blindfold off and encourage you. This is the idea. We don't live based on the fears that we feel. We ask God to help us to see his immeasurable resurrection. That looks nasty. Look at that thing. That starts moving. I'm out of here. His resurrection power. Okay, are you ready for number three? Third thing that blinds us to God's power is our enemies. Number three, oftentimes our enemies blind us to God's power. Okay, are you ready? Sure, all right. You're a mom. You can handle this. Okay, I'm gonna put something in your hands here. Do you know what that is? A helmet, yeah. You're quicker than the last um, guy. You're a girl. Ooh, okay. Okay. All right, let's pray. There's a spirit here we need to deal with, and uh, it's thoroughly inappropriate. Okay, so, so Cassie, let's do this. We're gonna, we're gonna see if that's your size. Can I, can I take that from you? And we're just going to put it on right, right, um, yeah, I don't, here we go. This, this is a real live, legit military helmet, and it's a good look on you. Just, uh, um, and, and you two are, are married to each other, right? Okay, good, good, because uh, you're on the internet, so you got to tell the truth. So, that's cool. Um, so, if the general over here says anything, just make sure. So, here's, here's the deal. You're wearing that helmet, Cassie. Because it symbolizes the fact that oftentimes we find ourselves in a place of battle. Have any of you just felt, I mean, I don't know if there's any other way to say this. Have you ever felt spiritual conflict? Spiritual warfare? There's battle that takes place? It's, it's because we have an enemy. And the Bible's very clear about this. And oftentimes our enemies, number three, our enemies blind us to seeing the power of God in our lives. Because we get so focused on the challenge that's ahead of us. And what Paul says is, hey, look, there are real enemies out there. He talks in 2 Corinthians 4, 4 about the God of this age. Remember, we live in an evil age. He talks to us about the fact that there are spiritual powers, but he made it very clear that our enemy has already been overcome. Jesus has defeated him. So we don't have to live in a place where we're fearful and driven by that. Listen to this. God's above all power power ensures us that all our enemies have already been defeated. God's above all power power ensures us that our enemies have already been defeated. 
So whether that enemy is, is in some way you feel like a spiritual oppression that comes from, from the devil or, or in some kind of spiritual way, if you feel like that enemy is, is your own self at times, if you feel, maybe you even feel like there's circumstances or maybe even people that you would say, I feel like they're against me, realize this, that because Jesus has above all power, power, he's already defeated that enemy. So don't go just based on the conflict that you feel. Cassie, you can go ahead and take that helmet off and, and, and the, uh, that blindfold. I probably shouldn't have had it told you since you're such a smart girl. But that's, um, you, 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 can, um, you can know this, that what we see is God's power. We don't have to be driven by what we feel. Okay, one, one last thing. Number four, um, fourth thing that blinds us is the unknown blinds us to God's power. The unknown blinds us to God's power. Jason, let me put here and uh, put something in your hands. You ready? Yep. Thanks, by the way, for volunteering. Oh, no doubt. So we'll put that there. Do you, do you know what that is? Just kind of feel it there. It's like a package, like a, like a present, isn't it? Do you know what's inside of it? I, I, I can honestly tell you, I don't know what's inside of it. I have no idea. Me neither, yeah. It's a present, and usually when you're handed a present, you really don't know what's inside. Have you ever been given something, and you open it up, you looked inside, and you, with all that you had, you forced to, oh, wow, thank you. Right, you ever had one of those? You ever had one where you're like, oh, wow, thanks. That's awesome. The present is like that, isn't it? Every day, this present day dishes out the unknown. And we never know if it's going to be an, oh, wow, <laughs> or an, oh, wow. Is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? Is it something we want? Is it something we don't want? We don't know. It's the unknown. And oftentimes, we're so focused on feeling the unknown that it keeps us from seeing God's power at work in our lives. And what we need to do is we need to recognize that whether it be the things that life dishes out to us in this evil age or whether it be the miraculous power of God's grace in our lives, we put our confidence and our trust not in what we feel but in this power that we pray that we will see. God's forever power gives us the strength for life today and the promise of eternal life forever with Jesus. God's forever power gives us the strength for life today and the promise of eternal life forever with Jesus. So Jason, you can take that blindfold off and, uh, and not focus on what that thing is that you feel, but on that power that we pray that God would help you to see. Because we know that God has an incomparable resurrection above all power, forever power, that's not just something that he has, but Paul says it lives in you and it's for you. And you say, man, that's cool. And that's good to know, but how do I know that it works? This morning, I want you to hear a story. Some folks who know very clearly that when you experience that power in your life, it changes your life and it makes a difference, as Paul says, for those of us who believe. So if you would, please, turn your attention to the screens. My name is Keith Zoller and my wife, Michelle Zoller. Um, I became a Christian in South Florida. I was living down there. I owned a gym and I was married at the time. I was living a life, I guess, that a lot of people would think was some great thing. I, I had a great life money-wise, could buy just about anything I wanted. Uh, I trained the Dolphins, the Miami Dolphins, a lot of them, and I trained 
uh, big money people in Florida and was very spoiled so I could do what I want. And I guess from the outside in, you would think, like I said, that we were the best situation and the best couple in the world and, and had life amazing, but it was uh, extremely empty. Uh, in my life throughout, I have always had God in my life, but never really been full in. Uh, I would go and, and live somewhat for him and, and know that he was there and go to church. And then at other times I'd push it away and and still had God in my life and talked to him, but not a relationship, I guess you can say. Um, I was in a club down there, uh, partying, living a very sinful life, and uh, was out with a bunch of friends. And one of my friends used the word, wow, Keith, you're, you're so lucky, you're the luckiest guy in the world. And yeah, the words come out of my mouth, yes, I'm, I'm truly blessed, and named off the things that I could buy and that I owned and that I could do. It hit home to me as I said that, I was blessed, here I am partying, doing drugs, living the wrong life, and saying I'm blessed that God's doing something for me. Uh, I decided on that night to, to go back to church and talk to my wife about it, and then we started going back to church. One day during church, uh, during a sermon, he said something that truly touched me, and, and I walked up and gave my life to Christ. Uh, and from that point forward, started reading more and living my life for Christ and learned more and more that what I was doing and, and the path that I was on was completely wrong and empty. And she seemed to mess the life that we have. She continued to do that and we ended up going through a, a, a really bad divorce. I couldn't sleep because I kept hearing from friends and, and club owners and people calling me and telling me what was all was going on and everything else. And, and I can remember plain as day, I closed my eyes one time and I said, God, I put it all in your hands and I could see his hands. I rolled over and went to sleep like everything in the world was done and continued on the path. And he kept me down on the bottom for a little while and I guess to test me to see if I was on the right path and I truly believed and I had faith and it was amazing all the things he started lining up for me. Um, he had brought Michelle into my life um, once we had met before out at a club a long time before that and then we hadn't seen each other for a long time. Yeah, I asked her, asked her to come to church with me and, and um, one day we were in church and we started dating again and, and I looked over at her one day in church and she was bawling and when it was a chance for her to walk up and asked if, I, if she wanted me to walk up with her and she gave her life to Christ. So everyone has a story um, and the story's all the same. Uh, they might be a little moved around and, uh, but in the end it's all about you believing in Christ and trusting and letting Him do what He's promised over and over and over. We believed and we decided to give our life to Christ. You have to know and believe that He is in control. And again, the things He's done for me and Michelle are mind-blowing. When we opened our first gym here, we had $100 to our name, literally. And uh, He took it and has done just miracle after miracle. It's amazing how many people have come to Christ through the way me and Michelle live. And they see how happy we are all the time and how much He's in our life. Give yourself to Him and let him take care of the rest because when we try to do it, it never works out our way. It's always his plan, not ours. What I had, people would have thought was the best thing in the whole world. And what I have now, and it has nothing to do with what I have in a business or a house. It's what I have with my family and my kids and my friends and, and the relationship I have with God. It's, it's so amazing that I realized I never gave up anything. I gave everything. And every time that I've ever thought I was gonna give up something, I realized afterwards that it was such a blessing that I did.
there's always a sense of emptiness before I gave myself to Christ. Like I think people are just searching for something, uh, whether buying things, relationships, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is. But then when you actually give yourself to God, like there's that sense of peace or a sense of comfort. It's like you're fulfilled. It's so hard to say that word because until you truly feel peace, it, it's like you think peace is, is, okay, we're comfortable or we're okay or we have money in the bank or that's not peace. Peace is when you just truly know you're on the right path with Christ and that you're working on yourself daily and that no matter what mistakes you make, He loves you and that you can change other people's life by the way you act and what you do. And, and uh, I think that's, that's peace. There, there's nothing that I guess throws you off your track. I prayed about it. Is it right for me, God, to get up in front of people and tell my story if I make a mistake every day or I'm tempted or thoughts or anything that I've done wrong? Is it wrong for me to say this or talk about this? And he said a million times over, no, Keith, uh, you're forgiving. And, and that's why we do this. Isn't it awesome to hear how the power of God can change somebody's life? Awesome. Keith, Michelle, thanks for sharing your story with us. And there's something there that was so, um, I was just so clear. Here's the deal. We, we talk all about this power, and I hope you were encouraged to know what kind of power it is. But you can know all about it, but if you live based on what you feel, if, if you don't believe, and allow the Spirit to enlighten the eyes of your heart so that you say, God, I want to see your power at work in my life. He says it's for those who believe. As Keith and Michelle said, it's for those who say, God, I give myself to you. Lord, and what I need in my life is not what I can just do on my own. Ultimately, God, what I need is your power at work, your incomparable resurrection above all power, forever power at work in my life. And here's just so simply what I know. I know that for some of you, there was a moment today where you just said, God, I need that power <laughs> because of my limits. Lord, because of my fears, because of that pressure that I feel, because of that spiritual conflict I'm in, because of the unknown that's in front of me. God, what I need is your power at work in my life. And here's what we're going to do very simply. I want to pray for you. And oftentimes I think that there's a, there's, a, there's a physical response that we need to make to the spiritual reality that's in our lives. Almost in a way of saying, God, I want you to enlighten the eyes of my heart. So here's what I'm going to do. In just a moment, I'm going to count to three. And when I do, if you just, and it might just be for one person, but if you say, God, I need your power in my life, then I'm going to ask you to have the courage just to stand up right where you are and to come and just walk down here. And we're going to pray together in just a moment. But you know if God's speaking to your heart. Saying, God, I want to I see past my fears and those limits. God, I want to see past the unknown and those things that seem to be coming against me. God, what I need is to experience your power in my life today. If that's you, I want you to come right down here just in one, two, three. Would you just stand up right where you are if that's you? And would you just come say, God, what I need is your power. God, I can't do this on my own. What I need is your strength and your power in my life. Help me get past my limits. Lord, help me to deal with those things that are unknown. Lord, I need your power to move past my fear. God, I need you to help me with those things that seem to be coming against me. In fact, can I just ask everybody to stand just throughout the whole room? And, and some of you say, man, maybe I, should, maybe I should go. Go ahead, right now is the moment. I want to pray with you. We're going to pray for each other here in just a moment. But if you say, God, I need your power in my life, don't talk yourself out of this. This could be a very pivotal moment 
where God wants to do something key in your life, where you say, God, I need your power in my life today. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Could you just place your, your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you? Or something, And you can do it all throughout the room. Let's just place your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you. There's something powerful about praying for one another. And just right now, would you just begin to pray, God, would you fill them with your power? God, would you show your power to be real and true in their life? God, would you let them know your incomparable power, your resurrection power, Lord, this power that's greater than any other, God, would you give to them this power that goes on forever? Lord, would you help them in those things that seem to limit them? God, would you bless them in those areas where their fears seem to get the best of them? Lord, when there's those moments when it seems like an enemy is coming against, in those times when we face the unknown, you stand right here, would you just lift your hands to the Lord? Just put yourself in a posture of receiving just right now and begin to pray, God, I need your power in my life. God, I need your strength. God, I need your energy to work in me. God, I need your might. Lord, I pray that you would fill me with your power here today. Father, we come to you. And Lord, I pray in particular for those in this room, for those standing here at the front today, that as your word says, that prayer that Paul wrote, God, that you would enlighten the eyes of their heart, that they would see the hope to which you've called them. God, that the glorious riches that you've called us as an inheritance for your people, And Lord, that you would give to them the incomparably great power that's available to those of us who believe. Lord, you says it's like the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's your mighty strength that placed Jesus at the right hand of God, far above all other powers, more powerful than any other name that can be spoken. And it's not just for today, but it's for all of eternity. Lord, I pray that that power would be at work in their lives. And God, as they walk out of here today, and as they go back into the things that will be in front of them, Lord, help them to do it with a different kind of confidence, not based on what we feel, but God, based on the fact that your spirit helps us to see that we walk and we live, and you have given us a power that comes from you so that it empowers us to be more than we could be on our own. But as your people, it speaks strength and it speaks life to us no matter what it is that we might face. And now, Father, as we go from here, we ask that you'd go with us. Lord, would you send us out with your special favor and your wonderful peace? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Those of you here at the front, remember what God did and spoke to your life today. Don't let it be something that just kind of goes in one Sunday and out the other. And let him speak that and live that in your heart. Thanks for being here. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.